What's going on, guys? Welcome to another week, week 11 of the Playbook with Joey and Zach on WZBC AM Sports Radio. We hope all is well with each of you and hope everyone got to enjoy the beautiful weather today before the snow returns this weekend, uh, which is very unfortunate, but it's New England weather for you. Tonight, we'll start off by recapping the Hockey East showdown from this weekend between Northeastern and BC Hockey, and also preview the upcoming rivalry game against BU on Friday night at Conti Forum, which is actually the second and last home game of the year for BC Hockey. Then we're going to go into BC Basketball's recent performances, including a big win over Florida State on Monday night. After that, we'll break down the current state of the MLB lockout and what's in jeopardy with spring training being delayed and inevitably opening day. Then we'll discuss what the Celtics need to do in the second half of the season after the All-Star break to stay hot, uh, keep their win streak going, and give our predictions for how the rest of the season will go, um, and as well as the landscape of the NBA. So we'll hop right into it. Um, BC Hockey versus Northeastern last weekend. Each split a home-and-home. Both teams winning on the road. BC winning at Northeastern Friday night, 4-1. to one, And then Northeastern winning at BC Saturday night. Uh, Friday night was a solid performance from BC. Definitely surprising for me. Um, had a couple of good goals. Ambrosio, Kuntar, McLaughlin, Warren. All were in the scoring column. So it was good to see a win. Um, you know, especially against a team that kind of shut us down. TJ Center fell there for you. Um, at the Beanpot semifinals. So good win for the team. Then tough game Saturday. Saturday was... Looking more like the same BC hockey team we've seen all season, um, but the return of McLaughlin was definitely helpful, um, you know, for winning that game on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, BC started out really hot in that game, really quick. We're up two nothing, very fast in Matthews Arena. Um, as he said, goals from Ambrosio and Kuntar, um, two plays for BC that have been playing well all season. Um, Northeast responded with a quick goal right after that from Matthew Pani, but that was all they really got going all night. Eric Dopp, we've been critical of him, but he's played his best hockey that night. He played night. a great game that night. Um, Stop at 30 with 31 shots. Uh, Northeastern had 16 shots on goal in the third period. They only had 15 in the first two. And then 16 in the third period, they started lighting it up. And played very well at 30 of 31 shots he saved. Um, obviously, Michael McLaughlin's return from the Olympics. Didn't get to play much. Only played in one game in the Olympics. So he came in hot, scored right away, his 19th goal of the season. Um, he's still actually now behind Ethan Frank from Western Michigan, who's had a great season all year. He has 23 goals. So... Uh, McLaughlin obviously missing some games for the Olympics. Might have hurt his chances of winning uh, the scoring title, but still a great season of 19 mm-hmm. goals. Still a good candidate for the Hobie Baker, too. McLaughlin yeah, stands right up well. there right now. So. He's played well. Um, and then Definitely been crucial to that. Obviously, Saturday, yeah, no, he's played well. Uh, and then Saturday, obviously, Northeastern won 4-1 um, at Conti Forum. Uh, they missed a couple empty netters at the end. Ty Jackson, Gunnawagan, uh, both of them missed their chance to make it a 5-1 game. I would have liked Gunnawagan to get into the scoring column against these, since he's been playing good hockey, but it's all good. Um Dot played not too bad again, though. I mean, he did give up four goals, but two of them were Marshall Warren's fault for sleeping. He just let two passes go right by and wasn't even paying attention. Uh, so no I wouldn't blame Dopp there. Um, not a surprise. I was right, actually. Uh, TJ Semnefelder played really well. Um, even played well on Friday. It was just a couple you know, deflections and stuff like that in BC. McLaughlin had a really good goal. That was just all skill. Um, but tw- 23 of 24 shots he faced. He saved TJ, played very well. Uh, Eric Dopp. As I said, played very well, too, on Friday, on Saturday. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. one of the goals a lot, Yeah, a couple him. of the goals weren't his fault, really. Yeah, I mean, so. McDonough's goal was just a snipe. Can't be frustrated at the way he played. I can maybe blame him for McDonough's goal. At the beginning of the game, since it was 15 seconds in, you kind of have to be ready. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, though, I mean, the defense was really paying attention either. But I'm going to blame him that, for that just because it was beginning of the game. you got to be locked in. But uh, Colangelo's goal, which was the fourth by Northeastern, was top shelf snipe. It was unreal. I mean, no goalie would have stopped that. TJ wouldn't have stopped that. Levi wouldn't have stopped that. That was just unreal. Sam Colangelo had been unreal all year. Mm-hmm. He was great. He was great. And then Riley Hughes's uh, dime assist to Matt Demelis for a great goal. Um, and Jakub Novak's goal was filled top, you know, just took it, flipped it in right over Dopp. But that was Marshall Warren. Both of those goals, uh, Demelis's and Jakub Novak's, 
Marshall Warren just let them go right by him. I mean, I don't know. We've been critical of him in two reason. I he mean, tries to be a little bit too much of an offensive defenseman. You see him a lot of times pushing all the way up in um, you know, the opposing zone, trying to score goals, trying to make a highlight play, and then half the time he's just not back on defense, it seems like, and he yeah. lets guys get past him. Happened in the bean pot once against Northeastern. Um, I mean, we've kind of seen it. It's been a pattern all year. Been frustrating to see, you know, especially next to a defensive or an offensive defenseman like Hellison, too. Someone that, you know, can play in that role, and we've seen him succeed in that role before. Just having two guys that are always trying to score goals to hurt the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. But So that that was the end of the five-game run for me and Mark Walsh. Went to five straight Northeastern games. Finished three and two. Not bad. We got to be the players again on Saturday, actually, at BC, which is really cool. Um, shout out to Jaden Struhm and Jordan Harris, both class acts once again. TJ Semdefeld to Colangelo. Jakob Novak, they came right over, dude. Jakob, we never... We get him on the radio next time. Honestly, we could ask. I feel like Struble, which we'll have Mark Walsh's opinion at some point. I'll give him a text. But I honestly think Struble would, would come on. He's that chill. He's a beast. And, and Harris, too, both class act guys. Um, Colangelo did not have to come over to us. He did. Came over and said well, what's good, which was awesome. Uh, Roskies, as always, Mark knows. Um, Paul Gerard was also there, too. So my boys... Uh, popped out to both BC games versus Northeastern. Obviously had a big Matthews, night at BC after BC. too. Yeah, they had a good time. I mean, hey, it's always a blast with those guys. Um, obviously a good now, time for us too. obviously now BC has you know a big matchup against BU this weekend, Friday and Saturday. BU have highlighted just about every episode in the last two or three of them now about how well they've been playing. Mm-hmm. Haven't lost a game in regulation since November, which is nuts. It's crazy. Um, averaging four goals a game in their last seven or eight now. Um, and they've won by two goals or more in seven of their last nine games, except for both Beanpot games. They only won by one goal, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Still, and yeah, just winning the Beanpot in general and being able to continue yeah. that hot streak before and after. And, their, you know, their Friday and Saturday night games in between, both of those Beanpot games is yeah. incredible. They play I mean, well. Usually you see teams that win the bean the Beanpot semifinal and are going to the final. You know, that those weekend games really aren't big, as big of a deal because, you know, they're looking ahead to Monday. But BU stayed locked in the whole time and... Really, right now, they're a national championship contender the way they're looking. Yeah, they turned it around. I mean, beginning of the season, they were really struggling. And then once they played Arizona State and won like six to nothing, they just got hot and didn't really lose after that. I mean, they actually won. They haven't played a game since that Beanpot final. So they actually had some time off, which is nuts. So now they're, they're coming off 11 days of rest, which is wild. I mean, mm-hmm. as I said last week, I mean, six or seven of their last six of their last seven games, they scored four goals or more, which is nuts, which is wild. That's just crazy. That just doesn't happen. And then obviously, mm-hmm. Every game, seven of their last eight now, they've won by one goal or more. I mean, that just shows how good TJ Semdefeld was only giving up one goal to them. Mm-hmm. He's unreal. Oh, yeah, the energy in the Beanpot's different, too. Um, TJ was just unreal. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so what are your predictions, though? BC, BU, Friday, BC, BU, Friday night, Conti Forum. It's always going to be rowdy. Um, BC finally figured out the right way to hand out student tickets this time. It just be a simple <laughs> email. No going to random games or anything like that. Um, made it easier for all of us. Um, so it should be a packed crowd. It should be a packed house at Conti, like we saw two years ago for the BU game. Um, you know, BC fans everywhere. It should be a great environment. Uh, I think the team's going to continue the way they've looked. I mean, they're very inconsistent, but you know, some nights they're just on, like we saw last Friday at Northeastern. I think that's going to continue. I think BC is going to win this one four two. Saturday night at BU, I think it's going to be a different story. Um, BU riding their hot streak um, and coming off a loss and kind of being fired up. It'll be a lot closer of a game, um, but I'm done picking against BC, even though we've had a very tough season. I'm going 3-2 to two BC on Saturday night, so that's my bets. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, BC has picked up their first win of 2022. Now I believe they're 1-12-1 now in, in 2022. First Hockey yeah. East win since God knows when. I mean, 
It's been a while since they last won a hockey East game, but beating Northeast was obviously a big one for them on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, BU, that's a good one to have, number 13 team. Yeah, BU's played great too all year. I mean, now they're 11, 6, and 3 in the hockey East. Obviously, have been hot. Um, Friday will be a good one. I'm going to go BC just in the environment too. We need BU to lose the game. I think everyone in the hockey East wants BU to lose because how hot they are. Everyone in the country probably actually wants BU to lose because they're the hottest mm-hmm. team in, in the nation, which is nuts. No one likes BU anyway. Yeah, no one. I'll go 3 2 BC. I will 4 3 BC on Friday. Okay. They'll probably score more than more than two goals. I imagine since they've scored four in every game. I think BC they have BC has, BC's going to win. They have to score probably with five McLaughlin. BC's week. offense always looks good. It's just a matter of defense and goaltending. Yeah, really. I'll go four three BC on Friday. Saturday be a tougher game um, at BU. Uh, the last time they even lost a game at BU, I think it was an OT game uh, to Northeastern in November or end of November. That's off the top of my head. I think that might have been it when McDonough scored an OT. Um, I'll go five to two BU on Saturday, but Ooh. BU Northeastern get it. Can't even speak. BC getting one of those wins, coming off obviously a good game against Northeastern, which 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 helped on Friday. Saturday obviously was a tougher one, but coming off at least one Hockey East win out of the last two, I think if they just split this series, that would be a positive run, especially since Northeastern and BU have been solid all year. But we'll see how that goes. Um, and then really quick, um, big matchup for Northeastern this weekend against UConn Friday, Saturday. Northeastern currently um, has 35 points in the Hockey East. UConn's got 38. They're currently second, tied for second in the Hockey East. Um Northeast got a big question to answer, which I highlighted last week. Devin Levi's coming back from the Olympics. TJ Semdefeld has been great all year. Levi's record on the year 16-7-1, giving up 1.55 goals a game. Um, he's got a 94.8 save percentage. Looking at Semdefeld, he's 4-3 on the year. Absolute stud, though. Uh, he's given up just over two goals a game, 2.05 goals per game. Um, and he has a 93.4 save percentage. If it's my opinion, if it's in, if it's my decision, I'm keeping TJ in. He's hot. I keep him in. I mean, I think after this year, I think Levi's probably going to go to Buffalo. The Sabres need him. They've used five or six goalies this year. I think he'd be probably the most stable one. I know he's young, uh, but I think he'd be the most stable one. Northeastern's going to lose guys like Jordan Harris and uh, Aiden McDonough. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to lose Sam Colangelo, too, to the Ducks, I'd imagine. I think one of them between Fontaine yeah, you have a lot of NHL ready and Colangelo. Guys. I think Colangelo's probably better. more NHL ready. Um, I mean, we saw that goal on Saturday. I saw it right in person. Uh, it was unreal. Just top shelf. But... Northeast has got a big question to answer between Levi and TJ. I'm rolling with TJ, but it's a big question mark. I mean, who knows? It's going to be a big decision with Jerry Keith. But mm-hmm. um, TJ coming over and saying what's going to be a mark is sick. Way, yeah. TJ came right over Either and said what's going to be us like a gentleman. But yeah, definitely. So see how it goes. Two very good goalies. I think Levi leaves after the year anyways, and TJ will be the goalie next year since I think Levi knows. I mean, neither one of them are going to want to be on the bench. They're both too good to be on the bench. So. Mm-hmm. I think Levi knows he can probably just go to the NHL and get some money now since Buffalo's been struggling. Sure. And, May as well, know, yeah. They could use him last there. In, their, in their conference. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Sure. But all right, we'll move on. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of UConn, though, big win against Villanova last night in uh, college yeah. basketball, 70 69. Um, crazy win. Went down to the last minute. Villanova had the ball. Gillespie goes down with five seconds left. Gets tra- uh, a charge called on him. Tough Game call. over. Fans on the court. It was cool to watch. Yeah. I wish we could get a win like that here. I only see the highlights. I was at the Northeastern basketball game. Tough loss last night, actually, to Charleston, Earl Grant's former team. Also, um, Brevin Galloway as well. Neither one were at the game because BC's playing Clemson tonight. But um, went to the Northeastern game last night. Shout out Tim Loft is my boy. I had a chance at the half-court shot uh, at halftime for $5,000. Actually, perfect height. Almost came down at the right time, just a little bit to the right. They don't give you any warm-up shots. You think they should give you one, right? Just to you wish, but... stretch out the arms, but... Uh, they're trying to do everything they can not to go with the 5K. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be here right now if you won no, last night. No, I was straight to <laughs> I'd Paris. I'd be doing this by myself. Yeah, I'd be I would Paris. be straight to Paris if I got that 5K. And, and my brother knows as well. My brother Michael knows we'd be buying those ABs. 
uh, his sunglasses would be better. Those two too. Um, but probably be out of the city side for the last twenty four hours. I'd be out in Paris, dude. One way <laughs> flight, one way ticket. But uh, Nikola Jogo played great last night. Northeastern uh, uh, guard. He's a transfer from Notre Dame. Had his career high twenty six points, which was great. Got to see that. Jamil Telford had a solid game. Only really scored in the second half. Um, but it was pretty cool to get back to Matthews Arena for the hockey game on Friday. It was my first game in over two years, two and a half years probably at Matthews. Two and change. Um, and then. This was just under two years since my last basketball game. So it was great being back in Matthews Arena despite the loss. Um, always love being back there. Got to see my boy, Bolden Grace, as well. Um, so always good. speaking of college basketball, BC basketball. Mm-hmm. Big, big win, yeah. State. Monday night, BC basketball took down Florida State. Um, and despite being shorthanded, you know, it's still a great team. Beating Florida State uh, full of four- and five-star guys. We beat them 71-55. to 55. It was a big win. Another big performance from Jaden Zachary, who's been an absolute stud this season. He finished the game with 18 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. Uh, he's been lights out all year. He shot four for four from three today. He's definitely been the team's most consistent shooter this year. Um, absolutely great pickup from O. Grant. Um, you know, someone who came out of high school, had no D1 offers, so he ended up going to JUCO. Um, took a prep year in there as well, and then, you know, got an offer from BC to play for O. Grant. Absolute stud for the team. Great defender. Um, good shooter. Great playmaker as well. He's always hustling. Really brings the energy to this team. And this one was despite uh, injuries from... DeMar Langford and TJ Bickerstaff as well, which I, to be honest, thought we didn't have much of a chance that those two guys, they're probably two of our most athletic guys, especially DeMar Langford. He's easily number one in terms of the best athlete on the team. Um, You know, he's the kind of guy I thought we would need to beat a team like Florida State. Um, But the team was hot shooting from all places around the court last night, especially from deep. Um, We shot 42% from three. Brevin Galloway had a better night last night, going four for 12 from three. Definitely good to see that um, after struggling a lot in his last few games. Um, just a great win overall for the team. Um, definitely excited to see that. I wish I could have been there, but we had a big intramural game to get to. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. shout out to the team. First win ever, First actually. First win ever in basketball. Playing intramural basketball. A couple ties um, in there, two or three times. Yeah, we've had three ties, actually, but never a win until last night. So I guess we had good reason to miss the Florida State game. Um, so BC is now... 10 and 16 on the season, um, reaching the 10 win mark decently early in the season compared to as we've been in years past. Um, and tonight we have a game against NC State at seven. It's actually underway. NC State's favored by six. Uh, we'll provide live updates on that throughout the night. Um, I'll yeah. give you a score check on that right now. Right now we got BC 10, NC State four. Good start. Um, Karnick's leading the way with six points. That's always a good sign. Whenever Karnick starts, starts hot, it's going to be a good game for the team. You saw the way he played at Virginia Tech when he shot like 90-something percent from the field. He was just lights out in the first half. Only missing one shot throughout the whole game. Um, whenever he gets going and plays dominant, the whole team does. So excited to see what happens tonight. And it seems like BC's forcing turnovers too, all ready to go. Tomar Langford just had a dunk, 12-4 Eagles. So let's go. We'll keep you guys posted on that for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a big win against Florida State. Any ACC wins big for BC, obviously now that's their fifth on the year. I think my prediction, my prediction was if we get six, that'd be a, a great season, just an improvement. So yeah, we're at five ACC big, wins already. Five solid. Um, Jaden Zachary played great, was four for four from three. Uh, Brevin Galloway, not his best shooting performance. He did finish with 14 points, but four of 12 from three. 33% actually you'd probably take from him with how bad he's been shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's been really cold. Um, so. He only shoots threes, though. I mean, if you could maybe drive, maybe his threes would fall. He passes up layups sometimes, too. There's times, you know, he gets in the paint, and then he has a chance to go up strong. Um, for physical layups, he just always kind of passes out of those, which I like to see him get more aggressive. But that being said, he still has had some knee issues, so I understand yeah. if he's trying to play a little bit more conservative and just shoot the ball. Yeah, I mean it was interesting in that Notre Dame game. 
um, over a week ago, a week, a week from today, actually, it was. Um, everyone fouled out in that game. You had Kanye Jones and Gianni Thompson getting huge minutes at the end of the game. Yeah, we had DeMar Lyford playing center at the end of the game. So yeah, J- Justin Vanderbilt fouled out in the first 11 minutes. Somehow he had five fouls in 11 minutes, and Gianni Thompson had five fouls in 12 minutes, which is nuts. That I don't was know how crazy. Karnak fouled out, too. Karnak fouled out in, you know, 19 minutes. Well, it's not even good either. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not and even half of basketball. Yeah, post had COVID. Um, <laughs> oh, that's tough. That made it even harder. Bickerstaff was out again. Um, so really no big man on that lineup that game. Um, and, you know, the team was impressive that game. I really thought we were going to win that against a Notre, te- Notre Dame team that's been really hot in the ACC, being 12-3 and in the conference. Um, actually, one of their losses came to BC, which would have been awesome if we could have beat them yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, great game from DeMar Langford. He played really aggressive, had 23 points that night. I really thought we were going to pull away at that win. And I mean, force an OT. Scoring um, 95 points is elite for BC. Mm-hmm. You don't score 95 yeah, that points never happens. Especially year. against a team like Notre Dame that's been that hot, too, and, you know, has beaten the likes of Kentucky, who's a top 10 team in the country. It's My squad, real well. Great to see. I mean, that's been one of my favorite things with this new Earl Grant team is that every game this team plays hard and they stick in everything. Um, we haven't really had any of those signature 30 point losses like we saw in the Jim Christian era. So. Even though we are only 5-11 and 11 right now in the ACC, I think the future is definitely bright, considering we lost half of our team from last year. Um, things are definitely looking up for BC, um, you know, just the way that we've been hanging in a lot of these top-tier games. Yeah, I think defense, actually, is something BC has been prioritizing. Obviously, giving up 99 points to Notre Dame wasn't great, but uh, against that Florida State team, giving up only 55 points is pretty good, especially with 14 steals. Jaden Zachary, I never, I thought, I'd seen him hustle. I always thought he played solid defense, but... I never expected to see in the stat sheet five steals. That's nuts. I mm-hmm. mean, he was clearly in the passing lanes. That's great. I mean, four for Makayash and Lane. in the first half, too. And he gets it on transition as well. Brevin, three steals is actually great for him. I mean, especially yeah. since he's always running, you know. Good defensive performance. Always taking his time to get up the court a little bit. You know, he's never really hustling because of that knee. Um, him getting three steals is pretty good. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, guys that came off the bench and played pretty well. I mean, Kanye Jones added eight points, which was solid. Um, Quinton Post he looked good. Back, he had a big time three in that game, too. Yeah, yeah, he played well. Uh, had a couple big times threes in the last few games, actually. That Notre Dame game, too. Um, down the stretch of regulation, he hit one. Yep, that was huge for the team. I missed that one, too, actually. I missed that game. But um, Quinta Posto, having him come back, really spreads the floor. He was 5-10 from the floor. I mean, that's, that's a solid night, especially since a lot of the shots he takes. Typically, you know, turnaround fadeaways um, for the most part. He did take a three. I, I understand he's hit a couple threes this season, but I don't want him really shooting threes. I want him in the paint, especially since BC needs rebounding help. Hey, shout out uh, Abe as well. He got in for a minute at the end of the game. I actually didn't know yeah. that. I mean, you know it's a big win if ESPN walk-on like guys one, are getting in. He's been yeah, one played, minute, BC basket minute, two minutes. Zero stats, but uh, interesting. I mean, we'll take it. Good to see him get on the court. Definitely an energy guy off the bench. Get Jonathan Noel in, too. They, I mean, yeah, they on. may as well. That's my boy. Get him in. Mm-hmm. He's been putting, putting in the work. In I know him, he gets yeah. up every day at 5 a.m. to shoot. Jonathan Noel's oh, been yeah, putting good in the work. Him. Love mm-hmm. that kid. But, um, yeah, too bad we had the uh, intramural game at the same time. Would have caught that at the end of the game. Which was a big win. I mean, we had... We've had some games freshman year where it come down to a play or two at the end, and we even had chances at the end of freshman year to maybe get a couple free throws, maybe make a three-point lead, a five-point lead, and then we miss both free throws, and we get the ball, and we turn it over, and then the other team hits a three, and Danny trips the ball off his knee. And we had a lot of those We've games We've had so many close losses. We've probably lost more than half of our games by less than five points. Yeah, not even I'd kidding. say by, by five or less, yeah. I mean, this one was huge, though. But we finally um, stuck it up together it. at the end. Hit her free throws, took care of the ball, hit her shots when he had to. Couple rough fouls. They were coming mm-hmm. in, hit me pretty hard out of nowhere. Yeah, that we were ready to go when he got pushed into the uh, stands up. The kid follows me because you know there was. Yeah, you already got intentionally left. fouled, and the kid comes up from behind, pushes him in the back. Yeah, <laughs> it was nuts. He goes over the chairs. And it was like we were ready to go. Twenty seconds left. I get the ball inbound. Game was over we from uh, from Tom, 
and I'm dribbling up the sidelines, knowing the trap's coming, so I'm waiting for it. I get tapped, and then a half a second later, the kid comes in and drills me, puts me to the stands, and I said, oh, relax. I look at him, I was like, dude, easy. And then he also hit me nice. high. His one hand was on the shoulder, the other one was high. They had a bench that loved to run that up, too, every time I turned happens. quick. Whoa, whoa, ref. Uh, yeah, I turned quick, though, right at him. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, relax, calm down. You know, I mean, it's, it's a game here. Yeah, we had a win, though. We weren't gonna. We had to pull that one out. We didn't need a tech or anything. That. Like I know, Will definitely. They got a tech at the end of the game, actually, and with about five out. seconds left. Yeah, and then uh, that put the game away. We got two more free throws. Yeah, um, I mean, you've been on so. a hot streak shooting your threes. I appreciate it. We Sunday actually had a really good game. We talked about the co-rec. And we oh yeah, we, could, so we had another game um, Sunday. Sunday night as well. We actually played a team that I thought was pretty good. I still think we could have beat them. We only five guys. Um, yeah, we only had five guys show up, so we all played forty minutes. Um, Dan Barron's played under the weather. <laughs> yeah, he was in the flu game after a tough Saturday night. Uh, he was locked. He had a nice layup. Yep, he had a nice layup. He put up two points for the team. Um, Me and, and Cruz. We took care of business out there. We Set, I had 17, Joey had 19. Um, so big game for us. I mean, <laughs> we, only lost we by always seven. talk about that we got to go off together, and that was it. We only so. lost by seven, which is impressive because we were down 15. Mm-hmm. We were down 15 a minute half. to go. We were down 15 with like a minute 45 at the half, too. I think we were down 14 yeah. points. And then to start the game, too, they went on a hot run. Probably with 10 minutes left in the first quarter, we probably were down like 15 to 5 or something. Well, I got we my boy Eduardo listening so. in. He said, oh, No go. way they tackled you. And Diva, my boy, shout out Eduardo, <laughs> the absolute goat. As I've on, said Eduardo. before, he's the best of the best. The guy's the man, and I appreciate him listening. Thank you, Eduardo. You're the man. And he's from Boston, too, as I said. Don't get enough from Boston around here. He's a real one. He's a G. Love Eduardo. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. But mm-hmm. uh, big we win. Get him out there next time. Yeah, we could we could use Eduardo in there if there was ever a fight that broke out. He's a security guy at BC. He knows what he's doing. The guy's the goat, though. Great guy. Yeah, we were ready to go after that. I was ready to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think the kid meant it intentionally. Maybe he's just no, trying to come in so, and follow, but, but he did come in pretty. The whistle was already blown. That's what I was. That's confused. why I was, like, right, I was relax. trying to figure out what was going on. But I mean, we got the win, so no complaints. I obviously yeah, didn't want win. to say anything. I always said it was relaxed him because you don't want to tech in that situation, especially since we're only up two at the time. So, mm-hmm. but that was it. But shout out to Yeah, they kept making the game close. The absolute goat. Appreciate him calling in. The best of the best, I said. Uh, I mean, truly, every no conversation I have with them, uh, every conversation I have with them is a pleasure. So, thank you for listening in. We Seriously, appreciate no it. Does but, better. Um, what a run, though. BC basketball got a big win against Forest State. We had our first intramural mm-hmm. win. I mean, basketball's been up. Celtics it's been a big night games. for Boston basketball. And then, actually, now Jason Tatum lost in the All Star game Sunday night. Speaking of which, it was a great game. Steph Curry yeah. went off, hitting 15 threes, oh, and the All Star MVP. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. More fun for me than it's been in recent years watching the All-Star game. Um, I mean, Team LeBron, you had, just had to know they were going to win that team that he drafted. Jokic, it was just ridiculous. Steph, LeBron, DeMar DeRozan. Giannis. Luka, Giannis. That's nuts. It was just, What's Durant doing? It wasn't even close. Durant, I don't know what he was doing. He probably just tried to draft his boys. Um, funny that he let James Harden slide to the last pick. Yeah, he was not letting that happen. Yeah, that was pretty funny. He was not going to draft him and put him on his team. Um, which is the best part of it, actually, since Tatum I think LeBron knew. I think LeBron knew Harden would be there at the last pick, so Harden yeah. ended up not playing anyway. LeBron so um, LeBron ended up getting you know a replacement or whatever for that. Mm-hmm. But we should be seeing Harden come back soon, though. That'll be a big uh, upgrade for the Sixers. Be a big, big, big question mark too. I mean, especially since obviously they didn't have Simmons um, for this whole season. So now we're going to look at the Sixers with a second star alongside Embiid. Um, obviously, giving up Steph Curry was tough because he's one of the best role players this year. Played very well, but yeah, I think he's gonna we'll be a great piece on that Steph Curry. Yeah, that's a scary sight. I, I think, think that was. I think that they won the trade because Steph Curry's added. Because at the end of the day, yeah, getting Steph Curry out. and Drummond too is not bad. Steph Curry's a very underrated player. Mm-hmm. I'm a yeah, I think Steph Curry's. I mean, he can start a shooting guard for that team. Seriously, you got Kyrie, Steph Curry, KD, Simmons, and who's the starting center for that team now? Um, um, well, they gave up. Yeah, they got DeAndre Drummond. Jordan. They got, got Drummond, Drummond now, now, but yeah. I don't know if it'll be Drummond. Um, 
They could play Griffin. I mean, he starts a power forward, right. though, really. Yeah, he's but all right. He could be in there. Did Aldridge ever come back? Aldridge, I think he did come back, but I think he might be hurt again, though, if I remember right. Okay. He's been hurt um, a lot. He's been in and out of the game for some reason. Um, he's been hurt a ton, actually, since... I don't even know since the last couple of years. He's never really played a full season. Last two or three now. So mm. he was a very good player, though, when he did. Mm. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen when Simmons comes back. I guess reports are that this week he's been ramping up his practice a lot and trying to get into game shape. Um, could be a scary sight for the NBA once Kyrie comes back with New York actually today, um, rolling back their vaccine mandate so he'll be able to play home games again. Um, he should be back getting back up, out there in the court real soon. Um, so we'll see what happens with that big three of him, Simmons, and Durant. I honestly like that big three. I mean, I don't like them, but I think it's going to be way better than what they had before with Harden. I just think Simmons is a much better fit, a pass-first kind of guy is what they need, especially next to a guy like Kevin Durant, who should be taking most of the shots over James Harden. I mean, they're both elite players, but Kevin Durant's probably the most unstoppable player in the NBA Mm -hmm. um, next to Giannis. So, um, you know, putting the big three like that together with two playmakers and then Kevin Durant, too, who's a playmaker himself. Really doesn't get much better than that, because um, Simmons isn't the kind of guy that needs twenty shots a game like Harden too, which I think will do wonders for them. Absolutely. And then adding shooting too with Seth Curry, that that team scares me. The Brooklyn Nets, um, you know that big three before. Honestly, I think if they were healthy, the Celtics wouldn't have a chance against them. But I still don't think they would have been NBA champs. But now with this new roster, if everyone's healthy, I think that team can win an NBA championship. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I think the Nets. Um, very good team, obviously. With with Kyrie and and Durant, its own. Even with Harden, I mean, that was a great team talent wise. But Harden wanted out, obviously, and then Kyrie I still think Harden and Durant were a weird fit together because they were already kind of a weird fit in OKC back in 2012, and yeah. then they both kind of developed into their own mega stars. And then coming back together with Kyrie was just a bit, little bit of an odd fit for me. They only want to play. They only played 14 games together, so they never really wanted to all play in the regular season last year when they're all healthy. They all wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, even take in the playoffs off. though. Yes. In that series against the Bucks in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year, you know Harden just wasn't himself. I don't know what it was. He just had poor shooting night after poor shooting night. Um, then Kyrie being out as well for part of that series. Yeah, um, they never I really mean, gave themselves a chance. We'll see how it goes though. It's a big trade though, big movement uh, in the NBA. The trade down there was a good amount of deals, but that one is definitely uh, one that shook up the entire NBA Eastern mm-hmm. Conference landscape. For um, sure, since two top teams in the Eastern Conference making a deal, I mean. Doesn't happen mm-hmm. too often since no one really wants to trade within the conference. I mean, mm-hmm. if guys are going to get traded, typically in any sport, they usually trade to the opposite conference in other divisions so they don't have to play them as much. But. Yeah, especially. But I think both teams believe they won that yeah, trade, even though I think the Nets won just by getting Seth Curry. I think if Seth Curry wasn't part of that trade, it'd be a little bit more of a question about who won. Um, I mean, we'll yeah, have to see how Harden there. plays and fits into Philly. But as it looks right now, it seems like the Nets are going to run away with this one. And that's assuming that Simmons can come back to who he's been before. Because he was a great player in Philly. It's just... When it came down to the clutch time, um, you know, fourth quarter in the playoffs, he, what, took two shots or something one game and had no points in the fourth quarter last year. Um, you know, just poor game after poor game in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, he's not going to have to be that guy anymore. He's just going to be who he is, a point forward that creates for other guys, drives into the paint, gets buckets at the rim, um, very athletic. I think he's a great piece and a great fit for Brooklyn, which is scary, um, you know, for me. I'm not as worried about Philly with their new trade. Um, obviously, we'll get a little bit better. You know, getting rid of Simmons, who wasn't doing anything for them this year. Um, obviously, Seth Curry loses a little bit of shooting, but they still have guys that can shoot. Tyrese Maxey's had a solid year. Love Tyrese Maxey, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of him, too. Um, you know, him and Embiid should be a scary duo as well. So, we'll have to see how the Celtics uh, play against these teams. I'm excited. we got a game against Brooklyn tonight, actually. Tomorrow. Um, uh, tomorrow. tomorrow right. yeah. um, uh, no Kyrie or Simmons, as expected for the Nets tomorrow. Um 
Kevin Durant is still out as well. So should be a good win for the Celtics. Hopefully to keep the hot streak going. Celtics have won nine out of the last ten. That Pistons game, though, I knew that was it was a coming. Tough I knew it was coming Pistons, last week. Yeah, I knew yeah, it was that it was going to come sometime. I knew um, they were going to fall. I mean, it was a bad team. I mean, played a lot of bad teams. We can't lose to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pistons one of the worst teams in the NBA right now. That was a frustrating loss, but can't be mad about winning nine out of our last ten. Um, you know, beating teams like the Sixers, Nuggets, Hawks, uh, Heat. Not any bad wins. So. Nine in a row is impo- very tough to do in the, the NBA. Teams, so. though. Play mm-hmm. weaker teams, though. I mean, the Kings. Still, it's not easy to win in the NBA in general. And then to win nine game, in a row. Yeah. Magic. You know what Got I mean? The right time. Once. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Celtics are currently sixth in the East. They do play the Nets tomorrow, as Zach said. No one's on the injured list, so I think this is the first time Celtics have everyone healthy uh, back for a while now. I mean, That's done wonders for the team, too, not Bob having Williams. guys on the COVID list or having guys out with injuries. Well, Just Bob building Williams. consistency with this lineup because – be nice to have those two. You know, before these last few weeks, we haven't really had many games at all where we have, you know, our full starting lineup of Smart, our, well, our starting lineup's Marcus different Smart, out there. Like like, but, mm-hmm. Yeah, someone's always out. Tatum was out for a little bit. Brown was out for a bit. Williams was out for a bit. Um, but having those core four guys, like Smart, Tatum, Brown, and um, Robert Williams. Robert Williams, yeah. Drew he's a for a second. Um, mm-hmm. He's been a huge piece for the team this season. His defense has been incredible. Um, just all year. Um, I mean, you've seen the number of blocks he's put up in the game. I can grab up that, pull up that number in a sec. 2.2. 2.2, yeah. It's um, just every night he's giving the other team fits. Great rebounder as well. Big hustle guy as well. He's always running down the court and grabbing lobs. Yeah. Um, definitely stretches the court for the Celtics running in the fast break. I think the the most astonishing thing with Rob Williams' season to me is, I mean, he, in 2018 as a rookie, only played eight, game, eight minutes a game, then 13 minutes a game in 2019, 19 minutes a game in 2020. Now he's at 30, so... He doubled what he was doing in 2019 two years ago and even had 10 minutes of what he was doing last year in 2020, um, which is honestly great for the Celtics. I think it's kind of like the Tana Hoke situation where you'd always – I know Rob Williams had his injuries at Tana Hoke, even they never wanted to you know, give him a full game pitching since he always said, oh, but the second time he goes to a lineup is when he get, gets lit up, so let's only give him four innings of pitching. Mm-hmm. I think Robert Williams, Tana Hoke, very similar talent. Both players can be really dominant. You just got to give them the time. Obviously, Rob Williams get 30 minutes a game. You see that. Tana Hoke, give him six innings rather than four innings. I think they adjust. Obviously, very good players. Um, I think there's a similar comparison there because both teams were babying and, and doctoring the amount of minutes they gave to both those guys, which I feel like mm-hmm. I know Rob Williams had his injuries, but the Celtics definitely could have used it. I feel like that was a good move. Last year. We definitely could have used it, but I also think it was a good move. Just I mean, you saw the way he got injured, especially in that Nets series last year. Just It seemed like any time we played in more than 20, 25 minutes, he was getting hurt. Um, so yeah, you can do his whole career. You can't play mm-hmm. 10 minutes his whole definitely career. Not. you got to just That was my biggest fear about this year. Somewhere. I remember actually our first week on the podcast when they were previewing the Celtics, I said, my biggest fear is not having a replacement for Robert Williams if or when he gets injured. Because um, that had happened pretty much every year up until this point. Um, you know, he's had sustained a lot of different injuries that last up to weeks. Um, I mean, he missed most of the series against Brooklyn last year, and, you know, we could have used him then. Um, same with Jalen Brown. This team's had an ability, uh, not an ability, a lack of ability to stay healthy in the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, it's been great to see this team finally gain some consistency and get to play together for the last few weeks. And I really think that's a huge reason why we've been able to stay hot and go on this win streak. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. Big game tomorrow against the Nets. Obviously, we're not in the last 10. Tough loss to the Pistons. But now they're at the All-Star break. Speaking of the All-Star break, though, that dunk contest, they got to figure something out, actually. they got to make mm-hmm. it more entertaining. It was just boring. Get Anthony Edwards in there. The GOAT, my boy, loving mm-hmm. Anthony Get John Yeah, Moran. that's a good start, getting some players that people really want to see in the dunk oh, contest. Oh, Anthony Edwards. I mean, I mean, Obi Toppin is obviously a great dunker. Um, but, you know, there's bigger stars out there. Like, guys, you said John Morant would be awesome to see. He gets hurt a lot, Josh, so I don't think he probably would. But Anthony yeah. Edwards, if he stayed healthy for the most part his whole career in, in, in his two years in the NBA, I love Anthony Edwards, huge MVP. 
Um, I think I wasn't mm. getting him in there. Definitely. I mean, remember that one dunk contest like six eyes. years ago and there was like Paul George, Dame, John Wall. There was three on each side. There was three East and three West. They kind of switched it up that one year. Yeah, they tried that to different. Cool I mean, they've been trying to do things different for the last few years. They give everything a 50 now. Everything's a 49 or 50. Yeah, I don't like I, that, that everyone just gives 10s now. It should be legit. It's be a 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's I don't tough. like that. Ever since the uh, Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine dunk contest, whenever that was, two or three years ago, I really think the ratings have been a little sketchy. Um, you know, everyone yeah. giving tens and nines for everything, no matter what they actually think of the dunk. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I think you got to get AE in there, Anthony Edwards. That's my boy. Shout out mm-hmm. a lot too. And it is. I saw one thing the other day. It is just getting harder to have a good dunk contest too, because a lot of these dunks we've seen before. And I mean, the more cool dunks that happen, you know, crazier and crazier dunks that happen, the harder it is. To, you know, go beyond that for new players. Yeah, um, but it'll we, be interesting. We've seen it up till this point. You're um, never gonna get LeBron in it, which I don't. I think it'd be sick. Obviously, you're never gonna get him in it since. I mean, mm-hmm. How much he trains a year? LeBron's never gonna want to try to do a dunk contest. Get hurt in that when he yeah, trains no 365 days a year to try to win a championship. He's never gonna do it. But I would oh, love it, obviously. But yeah, I, I, he's I would not really never want that. to do it because he'd get hurt or something too, and I never want to see that. But um, obviously, you can get younger guys. As we said, Anthony Edwards, um, Obi Toppin was a solid one. Obviously, he's had some really good dunks in college too. I think he won a college dunk contest, if I remember right, or a high school dunk contest. He won one something of them. Something like that, yeah. Um, remember seeing that on Instagram. Yeah, he was um, a good. Um addition to the dunk Solid. contest I mean, lineup. The three-point contest was pretty interesting, too. Conway the Towns with the win. I thought he had no chance. He was, was lights out in that final round. Yeah, we were watching that in our apartment. He just hit the two um, three-point shots from, you know, two Mountain Dew spots or whatever they call them. seven in a row, them. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hit, nuts. I think Cat. hit four out of five on his money ball rack. He was unreal that night. Yeah, Cat was on. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Cat. I like he the been, average, If so I had to rank I who I thought lot. was going to win that game by chance, I would have picked Cat number six. Yeah, I would go Luke Kennard number Especially one. Especially going on, yeah, Luke Kennard, I would have thought him too. He's coming off a game 89 for three. Yeah. He's coming off a game 89 for three. Shout out Clips. Clips are all dogs. I'm wearing a Clippers sweatshirt right now, actually. Yeah, he became a big fan. I want the biggest the Celtics the now. Just crazy. I, the Clippers are all dogs. You got you to gotta watch them play. They dive on every loose ball. Tyron Lue, they've had a great season without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I like watching the Clippers. They've played great all year. Terrence Mann stepped up. I enjoyed watching uh, them with Reggie Jackson in the playoffs last, last year. Up. That was fun to watch. Reggie, obviously. He was very good player. Marcus Morris. He's the guy one of the Celtics when. The Celtics had a point guard hole last offseason. I wanted the Celtics to bring him on. Um, obviously, bringing on Schroeder, I was happy about that. But one of my first thoughts was Reggie Jackson, um, you know, because he was available for a short while. Yeah, being 29 and 31 without those two guys in the Western Conference is honestly impressive, especially in the same division as the Warriors, the Lakers, um, Suns. Suns, exactly. Suns have been the hottest in the league. Um, and a lot of superstars in that division. It's probably the biggest in the NBA, maybe. Top of my head. Yeah, probably Lakers, Warriors, Suns. I mean, with, you got Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Warriors and Suns are probably the two best teams in the NBA Warriors, right now. Warriors, Clay, Steph, Devin Booker, and I mean, yeah, that's a great division. Mm-hmm. But they've they've been great. The Tyron Lue just shows how great of a coach he is, and they're dogs. They'll never not drive in a loose ball, and that's why I love them. I love hustle. That they team hustles hard. harder than any team I've ever seen in any sport. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Tyron Lue. They probably I'd say, I'd say it was him, but I don't know if it's the players. They're just dogs. I don't know if they're both all just all in it to win it. I think they probably all are. And the, uh, are on the same page. They all want to win, which would make sense. Um, but big fan of them, though. I'm repping them right now because why not? Roll clips, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, you love your clips. Uh, Celtics, though, as we look forward to the next couple of games, um, can hopefully keep their co- keep their hot streak going. Um, you know, against a weaker Nets team. Um, you know, with KD, Kyrie, and Simmons being out, um, hopefully can pull out a win there. Celtics are favored. Um, and then moving through March as well, um, a little bit of a lighter schedule comparable to. The last few weeks that we've had, we got Detroit, Indiana, Atlanta. Memphis should be a good game. That's at home uh, a week from Thursday. Um, and Brooklyn, Detroit. Um, and then it gets into a bit of a more difficult stretch. Uh, but hopefully we can pick up some more wins here. Um, things are getting really close. 
in the standings. We're 4.5 games behind first. Um, I mean, every team in those top six right now is really within reach of the number one spot. And all it's going to take is a couple wins, stringing a couple together. And, you know, we could be a three seed in a week from now if things go right. So um, definitely going to be interesting to see how things play out the next few weeks in the yeah. NBA. I still think the Bucks and Sixes and Nets are, are better teams. I think they'd all beat us in six games. But I do think the Celtics can finish around five, six. Seven. I think in a seven-game series. I, I agree with the Bucks and Nets, but I think a seven-game series, both teams fully healthy. I think we could still take the Sixers. Uh, be tough, you right? saw how we, you've seen how we've played them before in the playoffs with Embiid and Simmons. Obviously, Harden's going to add a different element. Um, but this team, I mean, we have a lot of great defenders now. Smart and uh, Derek White in the backcourt. Um, I mean, we've seen Smart play against Harden before, and usually he's a great defender and always plays um, James Harden super hard. That one game we were talking about, um, I was there actually a couple years ago when Smart drew those two charges on James Harden at the end of the game, had a big win over the Rockets. Had a 26-point comeback, yeah. That was unreal. Um, so I'm actually not too worried about Harden playing the Celtics. Um, Embiid is obviously going to be a tough matchup. Um, but, you know, with Williams stepping up, and Horford's always played Embiid well historically, actually. Um, I still think we can take them in a seven-game series. It should be close either way. Um, obviously, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, though, a different, but a little bit of a different story. Um, and Brooklyn just having too much firepower, and then the Bucks having a guy like Giannis with, a team of shooters built around him is always tough to beat. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Into it. Um, so now moving in uh, to the MLB lockout. Currently, the MLB lockout's been going on to December 2nd. They're now two and a half months in, um, which is honestly depressing, especially since, as I've mentioned multiple times now, this free agent class is one of the most stacked in MLB history. Um, also factor in how great that MLB playoff, um, you know, uh, television, you know, everything, everything in the MLB, everything was televised, and that whole playoff run that the Braves had, Everything was so exciting. I think the MLB really fumbled the bag at how much they could have made a difference with with how much you know ground they were gaining on you know their views. They've been struggling for the last three to five years now, um, and obviously uh, with this lockout that's now heading into three months in, um, it's not a great thing. MLB owners and uh, the MLB representatives have met with the MLB Players Association um, this whole week, three days in now. The meeting for fourth day tomorrow in Jupiter, Florida. Um, the last three meetings before this, so three three meetings in January, between de- December and January, the MLB representatives walked out a half hour in, even checked out of their hotel once, which, I don't know, they're acting like children, but regardless, yeah, it's which, you know, it's, it's nuts, you know, they gotta, they gotta grow up, obviously, you mm-hmm. know, fans want to play, the players want to play, the mm-hmm. owners are making money regardless, they don't really care, they're losing out on ticket money, but I'm sure they don't even care, but anyways, um, they walked out, you know, three of their first three meetings they have, but now in this week, when they've met, uh, they haven't really made too much progress, but I guess a good thing is that they had a five-hour meeting on Monday, so it shows that at least they're listening to each other. Um, the problem is, though, they need a deal by February 28th on the competitive balance tax, and they need a collective bargaining agreement uh, before that day, February 28th, in order to start opening day on March 31st. Um, I think even if they got it by then, which it's a dream for it to even happen, I think, honestly, by February 28th, that's only five days away, and they're millions of dollars off of everything they want. You'll still need to have a two-week period of free agency with guys like Trevor Story and Kyle's Correa and Freddie Freeman and Kyle Schwarber to sign guys like Aaron Judge, Jacob DeGrom. They all want extensions. There are guys that are hurt that can't even work with the, the team's trainers because there's no communication between the team and players and trainers and officials and everything. It's just a whole mess. There's going to be guys that are getting hurt now in the season because they didn't have a full spring training to throw, especially pitchers. I'm, I'm most worried for them. A lot of guys need that you know, six weeks of throwing in order to get their arms warmed up for the season. Um, one problem with it is that arbitration has actually been a big issue uh, right now for the collective bargaining agreement. 
Um, the MLB, they currently said they'd give the, the pool at $20 million for the top 30 players for arbitration. It's not at 15. They wanted to give it out. They'll give 20. The MLB Players Association realized the budget is still at $115 million. So it's $100 million or $95 million of a difference um, to split between the top 150 players in the MLB uh, Players Association's proposal. But $100 million for arbitration being that much off, it's a far, far uh, difference. And then obviously, now another thing is the MLB Players Association wants to get um, a draft pick lottery um, in order to stop teams from tanking. Um, since right now in the MLB, it just goes based off of records. So the Red Sox finished with fourth worst record in the 2020 season. They got the fourth pick, drafted Marcelo Meyer, the top prospect. Um, the MLB Players Association now said they'd give the top four picks. They'd be a draft lottery for the top four picks between, I believe, the f- top four worst records. I'm not sure. Um, but they said three originally. But the MLB Players Association wants the top eight picks to be signed by lotteries. So that's another issue. Um, the luxury tax has been an issue for years in, in, in Major League Baseball. Right now, in the competitive balance uh, tax, uh, the MLB Players Association has offered $245 million to be uh, their offer, and the owners have given $214 million. So another $31 million off there. Big difference, especially since these are billion dollar, uh, billionaire owners. I mean, they don't want to budget all. Even if it's $30 million, they don't want to budge on that. Uh, mm-hmm. But you'd think they would, just because they want to obviously play the game. But you'd think you'd want to play, yeah, but... They don't care at all. Yeah, it does, I guess it doesn't make a difference for some of that. Um, and then, so the arbitration pool, $95 million off pre-arbitration pool, uh, bonus pool, that is. Um, and the minimum salary, they're $135,000 off what they want. Um, currently, the Emory Play Association um, wants 770, 70, uh, I can't even speak, $770,000 uh, in 2022, so $775,000. Is what they want is the minimum salary, uh, but the MLB Players Association is sitting at six hundred thirty thousand, so it's a big difference. Um, the MLB Players Association, even with six hundred thirty thousand, would be a ten percent increase from what it was in twenty twenty one, but the MLB Players Association wants a thirty five point eight percent increase, so huge difference there, which is obviously not great. I mean, Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in baseball, just about my favorite one. If he's not number one, he's number two. Luis Severino as well. Um, he said we want a system where the threshold penalties. Um, the threshold and penalties don't function as caps, uh, allow younger players to realize more of their market value, make service time, manipulation, I think, of the past, and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. The way they have to do that is raising the minimum salary, getting a draft lottery, things the MLB Players Association and the MLB owners haven't been able to agree on, um, which honestly is childish, especially since the Red Sox are supposed to have their first spring training games this coming week, actually. They're supposed to play Northeastern tomorrow, I believe, and then play the Astros on March 2nd. No, that was their first home one, was it? Let me see. Their first uh, game was supposed to actually be February 26th against the Braves. So three days from now was supposed to be their first game on Saturday. The MLB canceled all the uh, spring training games all the way up to March 4th. Mm -hmm. Even if, like, I I don't know why they canceled just to March 4th because realistically, let's say you have an agreement on February 27th magically. You're not going to jump into exhibition games a week later. Yeah. Yeah. Pitchers need two weeks to throw. You know, that's why they're always like a week and a half ahead of you know, uh, the, the position plays, pitches and catches always go earlier. And that's the thing. You're cutting spring training games. And obviously now the problem is that if they don't have an agreement by February 28th, this coming Monday, um, not only are players not going to get the money that they're supposed to get for each day of the MLB season, so you're cutting players' pay, um, they're also going to have less than 162 games, which also is depressing mm-hmm. as baseball fans since I love the season. Yeah, it's the opening day. Get mm-hmm. And it's going to be, I mean, my prediction was a right great now, day. The first couple of days of the baseball season, yeah. there's games on all day. It's beautiful. It's just super that. exciting. Yeah, nice weather. Um, I think right now my guess would be that the MLB will come to an agreement uh, with the Players Association. I'm hoping the next two weeks, 
maybe start the season by like April 20th. That's just a guess now. That'd be a dream, actually, April 20th. It seems right now they're yeah, that could be a little $30 million but dollars off. Um, they're very far off, even in the taxes, too. I mean, the uh, current uh, payroll in the MLB, the most uh, that the, the team with the most money, the Dodgers, the Potters, they have $210 million they exceeded last year. Now the MLB wants a threshold of $210 million, But the problem with that being is that every team, a lot of the top teams, that is, are very close to that $210 million threshold. I mean, you got the Padres and uh, Dodgers who went over that last year. The Dodgers went over it, getting Max Scherzer already having paid Trevor Lott $41 million for last year. Obviously, everything that was going on with him, they went and made a trade for Scherzer, didn't care about going over the luxury tax, tried to go for it to win it. I understand that. Um, but there are teams like the Phillies who are at $209 million, Yankees at two hundred eight, Mets at two hundred eight. Red Sox are 207, Astros are 206. That's five teams that are within 3.4 million uh, per Jeff Passan, uh, very close to that $210 million threshold the MLB is offering. The Players Association and them haven't been able to agree. Um, obviously, that's an issue since the MLB is at 210. The Players Association is sitting at 245 right now. And then the MLB just offered 214, so it's still $31 million off. That big financial gap, as, as Jeff Passan said, is massive. And, and he doesn't think it's going to be cleared up you know, very quickly either since the financial uh, accountability between the MLB and the owners and obviously every player itself, there's a lot at stake for all of them, but I think the players just want to play. and That's the issue. I mean, this is the fourth straight day they're going to be tomorrow. Uh, they're going to, the MLB Players Association is going to counter everything that the MLB owners brought today. The problem is that the owners are all on the same page. So when you have 30 owners, are all billionaires on the same page. It's very hard for players associated to gain, uh, the Players Association to gain any ground. I'm stumbling on my words as saying Again. the MLBPA <laughs> as much as I'm saying it. Um, it's a lot of but we'll see how it goes, though. Uh, the taxes actually have been a big uh, factor in you know what they're disagreeing on. They've actually disagreed on ads on jerseys. Uh, the owners want that. The players don't want it. I mean, MLB's the Major League Baseball has been the hottest sport to change anything over the past you know 10, 20, 30 years. They don't want to change any of the rules, anything. They've been trying to change things to make the game quicker and stuff to try to appeal to people that say baseball's you know too long of a game. But now you want to add. You know, adds to jerseys when you were the hottest sport to change anything for the last 20 years. You were so obstinate to make any changes. Mm -hmm. I don't know, though. It'll be hard. The owners want a hard cap. um, And the problem with that is the players want to go actually higher with the cap. And having a hard cap in baseball would be interesting since they definitely need a salary floor so that teams can't, you know, just spend $50 million a year, $60 million a year like the Pirates and the Rays do. I think you've got to have like $100 million just to keep it competitive. The Pirates know Mm -hmm. they're not going to, you know, win. So, you know, they're, they're just signing guys to low contracts, just saving money. I don't understand what they get out of that since you're just basically quitting on the season by June. But uh, they're very much in different uh, viewpoints. Um, spring training games have been canceled all the way up to March 5th. Um, and they don't have a deal, as I said, by this coming Monday. Uh, March 31st won't be opening day. It's be tough for April baseball, yeah. Which, which yeah, honestly that, sucks. Which sucks. And, and that's the thing. The taxes have been too, trying to get some Red Sox games in yeah. April. And another thing is that the MLB right now wants to increase for luxury tax, people that go over the luxury tax, they want to increase the tax rate from 20% to 50% for first-time violators, which is a big jump from the 20% to 50 cents to 30%. It's a lot more money, a lot of millions of dollars, probably tens uh, of millions of dollars that teams have to give up extra now for going over the luxury tax like the Dodgers did this last year. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of things they're not on the same page on, and obviously that's a problem, especially as a baseball fan like me. Um Hopefully things work out. We'll see. We'll definitely cover it next week. Hopefully by next mm-hmm. week we've answered. I've got updates, Monday. Yeah. Um, you'll actually be in Florida for spring break. Maybe you got. Maybe you guys can fly down from Clearwater. Right, maybe we'll get to see a game in two weeks. Uh, catch some Red Sox. We'll see. You I mean, never know. Oh, they can't all the way up to the fifth. So I'll be there till the start of spring break. The 
ninth actually. So you never yeah. know. We got a I chance. Mean, but the I'm one like thing it. with that is that I mean, it would be sick. Obviously, to have spring training. I definitely watch them. I love watching baseball in general. The problem with that is that you're gonna have to give at least the. There's gonna have to be a week or two weeks of free agency for teams to talk to guys like Freddie Freeman and Kyle Schwarber and Kyle's Correa and uh, Trevor Story. All these guys I highlighted. Uh, but secondly, you're gonna have to give all these players. I mean. Position players probably need two or three weeks to get in shape, hitting-wise, throwing, and all that. But pitchers need those four to six weeks of actual full spring training games to get into it. And now you're mm-hmm. cutting the season short, probably, which is going to yeah, be... Yeah, it's like football. You can't just cut up preseason and then go. You just gotta... Yeah, it's nuts. And now, past February 28th, I believe that guys like Max, Sherber, Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole are going to be losing. I think I saw a graphic today. It was like $130,000 each day. Past and that's probably paid so much. Like, what do they get? 30 35, million 40 million a year. Yeah, they're right in that crazy. range. So, I mean, um, pitching's the best job in their country. Right now, they're they're themselves. Pitch one day a week, <laughs> one out of five games, and yeah, he's not seven innings. <laughs> you're getting millions of dollars just to throw a game. You're getting a million and a half if you get Garrett Cole. Yeah, and the clubhouse, the other six. Exactly. Um, Garrett Cole was hurt last year, too, and so he missed probably five starts, but still got us 35 million. Baseball's all guaranteed money. And mm-hmm. that's it's like LeBron thing, James. You know? He makes like twenty-seven minute or $27,000 every minute. On, Every game, like yeah. yeah. What a beast, though. I mean, hey. Just from that, his contract. That's how much money they make, though. That's the thing. But we'll see how it goes, though. Um, having a delayed spring training obviously isn't great. It's not exciting. Obviously delaying free agency and not letting teams even train with the training staff and, and all that isn't great. Um, and then, obviously, the Red Sox had a lot of decisions to make. Um, obviously, having to give guys like Xander Bogots and uh, Raphael Devis potential extensions, trying to figure out ways to keep Kyle Schwarber in the lineup. Um, obviously, you still have to re-sign him if you wanted to keep him. Pitching, the Red Sox you know, signed a couple guys right before uh, the MLB walkout happened. James Paxton was a good signing and Michael Walker, but um, Paxton will be out until like June or July. It actually might help him. I got it's going to be out until July. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it'll help him, but we'll <laughs> sure see how it goes, nice. though. It's definitely not fav- uh, favorable, but I'm hoping things work mm-hmm. out and we only miss maybe 20 games. But that's another thing. MLB, they're going to be cutting out 20 games in a season. I don't know how you're going to cut games. You have to make a whole new schedule like you did in 2020. So two of the last three is going to be short seasons. It's not great. Uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred definitely fumbled the bag, especially since league revenues grew 167% uh, from 2003, from 2003 to 2019. Um, that was right before the pandemic. But now um, with the base tax threshold growing um, up 76% from $117 million to $206 million, uh, obviously, the owners and stuff are making more money. Um, league revenues grew from $3.88 billion to $10.37 billion. This comes from an article in The Athletic, I believe this came from. So the MLB is still making their money, so I don't think they care, especially since they're still making, now they're making $11 billion, you know, a season. It's crazy. So they don't care, but I think obviously it's not great from a fan's perspective. And mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yeah, we just want to get into the ballpark, watch some games. That's the thing. So the that's socks, it. So. Oh, the MLB um, current lockout, as I said, now it's two and a half months in. By the time we get back next week, it's going to just be about three full months into the lockout. Um, they have said that they could keep the collective bargain agreements going into spring training. So if the MLB wanted right now to lift the lockout, they could. They could actually lift the lockout right now, and all, all 30 teams could go to spring training, and players could go back to the field, and the fans can go back to the stands right now if they wanted to, and they could keep the uh, bargaining going into spring training. But neither team, neither side really wants to uh, budge at all. So. We'll see. But that's it's that. Tough, yeah. I'm happy I got to get that rant in. So it's a big yeah, thing. Hopefully we'll have some updates sports. next Wednesday. Yeah, it hopefully. is huge. Hopefully we'll have an update. Um, you know, get a better timeline on when we can expect the season to begin. Um Absolutely. obviously looking tough right now. Uh one thing we'll I want to bring up though, um, we haven't really talked BC football in the last couple of weeks. They've had a couple tidbits of news in the last few weeks. Um today actually it was announced that running backs coach Rich Gunnell, who was one of BC's best wide receivers of all time, uh, is no longer with the staff. They didn't give a reason. 
Um, but he was actually the only coach that stayed with BC through the Steve Adazio to Jeff Hathley coaching change. I liked him, yeah. Um, we have assistant running backs coach Savon Huggins uh, coming up. He's been a great recruiter for the team. He will take another spot as running backs coach. Um, there's actually been a good amount of movement on the uh, BC football coaching staff front this offseason. Um, most notably, wide receivers coach Joe Daly moving to the NFL to be wide receivers coach for the Carolina Panthers. And uh, offensive line coach Matt Applebaum moving to coach uh, the Miami Dolphins in the same role. A um, couple new hires for BC football. Uh, offensive coordinator, I can't remember if we mentioned it before, um, John McNulty, the Notre Dame tight ends coach, should be a good fit. Uh, worked with Halfley before. Um, solid recruiter. Um, he's already been getting his name out there for a couple big-time 2023 recruits. Um, so hopefully he can do some wonders for the staff. He's actually had... Two other experiences in his career as play caller, both with Rutgers. Um, he'll be doing the play calling duty for BC, something we definitely need to step up in after Frank Sinetti last year. Um, really failed to utilize Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill as you know, he could have. Um, so really excited to see what McNulty does with that offense. Um, so he had two stints with Rutgers as offense coordinator and play caller. The first time, he was super successful. Um, it was under Greg Schiano. He, he actually had... Um, had the first team in FBS history with a 3,000-yard passer, 2,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers. Um, you know, the Scarlet Knights that year were breaking school records left and right. Um, they had a great year offensively under him. Um, and then he came back, and I want to say it was 2018, and um, they just didn't cut it. They played poorly. They were one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what version of McNulty we get, but... He's had great reviews from guys like Tom Coughlin, who called him a great coach and a great leader. I'm Tom um, Coughlin, the GOAT. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of him. <laughs> Love TC. Um, but, I mean, I've only heard good things about him in his time at Notre Dame, so we'll definitely see um, you know, what happens with him. Hopefully he helps guys like Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill develop and become who they can really be on the field, two super explosive wide receivers. I really want to see them get used more. Um, McNulty's actually already said that we're going to be seeing Zay Flowers a lot more next year. Apparently, Zay Flowers has been in his office talking with him every day so far, um, and they're definitely looking for ways to get him the ball more often. So I'm pumped about that. Um, and then another coaching change we made, we hired Dave. Gig- to Googly Eglamo. He was actually Thank the you. Giants offensive, coordinator, uh, offensive line coach last year during the pandemic. We mm-hmm. fired. Uh, Two-time Super Bowl champ, too. He's, the problem with him, though, is now he's going on to his 10th team in 11 years. I heard he's you know not the nicest of guys. He's very rough and Sometimes you can have a different opinion, and I think that's part of the reason he's now going into his 10th tenth, mm-hmm. tenth team in 11 years. But I'll say this, though. He is a very good offensive He has had success, coach. yeah. Um, but I do think maybe his, his rough attitude may play a role in him not seeing eye-to-eye with people and him being on his 10th mm-hmm. team. Most, most we'll of see the what happens, though. It's going to be interesting to see because we got they stay. four out of our five O-line spots are open right now. Um, so we'll definitely have to see what happens. A lot of young guys are going to have to step up, um, Christian Mahogany being the only returning O-line starter. So... Definitely interested to see what happens. Matt Applebaum with the O-line is a little bit underwhelming. Um, you know, every season, or at least both seasons under him, it felt like we were ranked very highly um, in a lot of preseason polls for having the top O-line in the country. And, you know, it was so underwhelming the way they performed this year, especially against the likes of Florida State. We just kind of got burned all game. It seemed like everyone really, I mean, aside from Zion Johnson, it seemed like, um, especially in the outside um, with the tackles, we were getting burned a lot. Um, so definitely want to see a step up in O-line play this year. It was, I had very high expectations for that room last year. Um, and they didn't cut it as much as I would have hoped. Um, but we'll see what happens under this new staff. Um, and then one more change as well with Joe Daly leaving for the Panthers. Um, Halfley decided to hire Daryl Wyatt from UCF. 
Um, there's not too much on him, um, but okay, we'll definitely see what happens. Though. Yeah, that's a good program, uh, but uh, it's interesting though with with all those changes. Um, speaking of offensive coordinator positions, uh, my family friend from the Cape, Tim Loftus, wanted to talk about a little bit about uh, Dave O'Brien. Uh, not Dave O'Brien, excuse me. Uh, Bill O'Brien, Dave O'Brien, the Red Sox announcer, not him. Uh-huh. Bill O'Brien potentially become the Patriots' offensive coordinator. I think that'd be a cool oh, yeah. job for him. Yeah, that would be very cool. Could definitely use him. Seeing how well he played, obviously with a lot of weapons on Alabama's offense, I get it. Bryce Young, John Mechie, James and Williams, all great players. I think having him though to come in with Mac Jones, uh, give another eye about how to get the ball downfield. He's not a great GM, but he's a very good. No, he's a good coach. He's a great offensive mind. I and mean, great offensive defensively, and too. as a general manager, he was. Uh, pretty terrible at times, but definitely offensively, he's been great. I mean, you saw what he did with DeAndre Hopkins and um, Deshaun Watson in Houston. So he's been there before. You know, he can um, you know craft a great offense. Um, definitely made some questionable yeah. trades though. So yeah. as long as he's not in any positions of power like that, I'd be all for that. Yeah, he said Bill O'Brien coming to the Pats. I mean, I think it'd be I think it'd be a good move. But um, speaking of uh, BC football, just a change of topic real quick. BC football though, obviously. Guys into the transfer portal. Three of my favorite players, basically. Oh, Kobe yeah. White, CJ Lewis, Jelani Galloway. Jelani Galloway, I don't think I have the wide receiver about Most him of the depth leaving. Is out. Yeah. Um, but I love Jelani Galloway. Wish him the best of luck. Um, Kobe obviously moves on um, to an FCS program. And where did he go? James Madison. Um, and then yeah. CJ Lewis hasn't announced where he's going yet. But CJ, Jelani Galloway, Kobe, three of my favorite players. All of them leaving is tough, but um, mm, wishing them nothing but the best that. in the future. I love, mm. I love all three of those Can't guys. Can't blame them, though, guys like Zay Flowers, uh, Jaden Williams breaking out, Jalen Gill. Um, I mean, it's just tough for them to find playing time, especially Kobe White now and uh, Jelani Galloway kind of got buried in the depth chart the past season. Those are very good players, though. CJ Lewis, good. before he got hurt, yeah, he was incredible. He had a great season for us last year, you know, having that huge touchdown catch against Clemson where he, you know, caught it an inch off the ground. That was sick. Had a big touchdown catch against Louisville, too, last year. Um, that's one of my fears for BC this com- upcoming season, is having a big end zone target. Uh, with Trey Berry going to the NFL, we haven't really found a tight end answer yet. Um, Anson with the red zone wide receiver with the departure of C.J. Lewis. You know, both Flowers, Gill, and Williams actually are all small, speedy guys. So we'll have to see where the team moves. Uh, there's one freshman, Joseph Griffin Jr., uh, from Springfield Central, who my high school played in football a couple times. He's six foot four, has a big time frame, uh, four star recruit, should be a great player, and has a chance to make an immediate impact on the team this season. Um, so we'll see what happens with him, but I definitely think he'll be a contributing factor to the offense this year. So look up for him. But uh, real quick, right before we go, I want to mention the Bruins had a big win yesterday over the Colorado Avalanche. Number one record, actually, in the NHL of the Avalanche. Bruins beat them 5 to 1 very handedly. I was on Monday, was so two win. days ago now. Yeah, afternoon game. President's Day game. Pasternak said he always loves his afternoon games. He scored two goals, had an assist, eight shots on goal, which is elite. Uh, Bergeron had a great game, two, seven shots on goal, added a goal and assist. He had a couple points. Dave, uh, Taylor Hall had three assists, which was great. Um, as I said, David Pasternak had a great game. Um, Jeremy Swayman, once again, playing very well. Only gave one goal to that uh, great avalanche offense. 28 out of 29 shots he faced. He saved. 966 save percentage on the day. Um, the Bruins played very well, though. Up. Coming off two wins, I was the Senators on the best team. Shout out Adam Gaudet, though. He plays the Senators. And uh, they're also the best team. They beat them in OT, though, which was nice. And they're now coming off a huge win against the Avalanche, who beat us uh, actually in January, at the end of January in OT, 4-3. to three. Uh, It was a tough game there, January 26th of us, so uh, just under a month ago now. Um, the Bruins came out, though, had a big win in the afternoon. Um, hopefully more afternoon games would be nice. Since yeah, uh, Poshnok says he loves playing them, so we had school mm-hmm. on Monday. Out. Yeah, no, we had school. Uh, questionable BC. call by BC having school on President's Day. Only school in the area really that had it, but only BC. Here yeah. we are, three days into the week, should be two. Um, 
But yeah, the Bruins have been heating up, though. It's been good to see uh, fourth in the Atlantic Division right now behind the Leafs, Lightning, and Panthers. Um, I mean, not bad to see. We're definitely within reach of all those teams uh, coming down the final stretch of the season. Uh, only six points behind the Leafs. So, um, you know, if we keep playing hot, this, uh, you know, we could jump them hopefully in the standings. Um, you know, we'll see what happens as the season progresses. Um, but, you know, definitely good to see that win over the Avalanche would have been really good this season. Yeah. Play the Seattle Kraken tomorrow. Too. So it's actually at Seattle. So the Bruins probably flew across the country today, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First um, time ever Bruins playing in Seattle. I'm saying, so, yeah, they flew across the country today. So cool. hopefully they get some rest. They'll be without, I believe, Brad Moshin and someone else right there I read today. So uh, Carlo. Carlo. Okay. Well. Throw in a couple guys. So that's tough. But I think Brad Moshin had a family matter. They said, they actually said, uh, Bruce Cassidy, the head coach, said today that it was a good family matter. So. Maybe he had a kid or something. Something was okay. good, I guess. Yeah, that'd so, be great. Um, good for him. So missing a couple guys on Carlo as well, but hopefully Bruins stay hot, get that win tomorrow. One of the last two games, obviously had a couple of tough games before that, but two wins in a row, especially beating the best team in the NHL, is huge. So we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. Yeah, but, can't be mad about that uh, for We're sure. positive about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with that, we'll wrap up another week. Um, it's always been great. Thank you guys for listening to us another week. Uh, crazy to believe this is week 11 now. Week 11, um, the 13th so yeah, episode of the Christmas special, the Beanpot special. Yeah, we've had nice. a lot of great times on here. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening again, and we'll see you next week. Same yeah, time. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, March 2nd, it will be. Well, it's already in March. March 2nd, March yeah. 2nd. We might even preview March Madison. So by the time we come back, it'll be March 16th. So Yeah, then it'll be, be already into the ACC tournament. I was going to say, it'll be into it. Maybe we'll just give a quick preview, maybe just into the ACC tournament, some of the college basketball mm-hmm. next week. We'll yeah, do. we can preview the conference championships. Um, maybe, and then yeah. We'll March Madness the week after. We'll have a week off. What Wednesday is that? It's March 9th. 9th? Okay. Yeah, yeah we got we'll spring break then. that week. Uh, big week in the Cape for Joey. Big week in Clearwater Beach for myself. We're both yeah. stoked. Both ready to uh, get after it. Time. Wish I got that 5,000 last night, Northeastern basketball. Oh, yeah, you would have been Shout out to Huskies week. basketball, though. But uh, Northeastern. You've been in the world like Magellan. Uh, I would have been out there. You already know it's my dream. But yeah, Northeastern basketball, though, I don't think there'll be uh, the CAA tournament this year, unfortunately. So still go Huskies basketball. Big game tomorrow night. It's William and Mary, the worst team in the conference, created to the second worst. So. I don't know, tough, tough season with Bill Cohen. But we will preview college basketball next week again. We've previewed college hockey a ton, but we'll get into college mm-hmm. uh, basketball next week with March Madness coming, March 2nd, yeah, big season coming up. 7 to 8 p.m. Hopefully have some Collins too. Um, For sure. Would love maybe two or three Collins next week. Give us some opinions on anything we've mentioned. It'd be cool. But I get all the texts. Eduardo, Tim Loftus, my family, yeah, Mike Curley. appreciate all those texts. Mark Walsh, always always listening. And uh, shout out uh, to the whole Loftus family, Brian Keith, Mary Keith. Thank you guys so much for listening. My whole family, all my friends, the O'Malley family, you guys are the best. Thank you, Eduardo, as well. Um, thank you guys for listening always. Though. We, we appreciate it. And we'll be back next Definitely. week, though, same time. So see you guys then. Stay safe and well, and be careful this weekend of the snow. Stay well.